0: welcome back to another sunday afternoon with rob and alex <laughs> <laughs>
1: maybe that's what this can be just uh our sunday chats yeah sunday afternoon in the park with rob and alex it's like that painting yeah. right sunday afternoon yeah. and what, what is that painting called uh yeah yeah i know the, the one you're the french painting yeah yeah uh one of my friends funny enough they posted an instagram story where they uh they had that picture they were playing they actually played next to it in the art institute in chicago like they played vibraphone by that painting Uh but then uh he posted that picture of him performing by it and then he posted another picture of it where all the people had been photoshopped out of it and it was like the current situation (laughs) (laughs) like because no one can be at the parks or the beaches oh wow yeah i was gonna say
0: it's more like sunday afternoon in the kitchen for me (laughs) in the
1: studio right right Here's something no, funny. No. I just did that whole first bit, like 30 seconds or whatever, with my metronome running. And I was like trying to figure out how to turn it off. So I just said like, click, 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 <laughs> click, 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 click. Talking in time. Yeah. That's what happens when you're yeah. recording GarageBand. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, so it's not on my audio track though. Don't worry. That's fine. Yeah. I don't think (laughs) that'd be terrible if all garage (laughs) bands (laughs) just embedded the metronomes people are using (laughs) every,
1: every podcast you listen to is like got to click at a different speed. (laughs) Um,
0: yeah, no. So I was uh, explaining before we recorded about the whole, the audio setup. It's, um, it's, it's always a work in progress. I mean, Josh and I have been doing this for, over a, well this one podcast for over a year been podcasting in general for like ten years um and it's it's funny how we're still like figuring shit out mm-hmm. <laughs> and I assume I'm the amateur over here, but he's the actual professional, like his job is to edit podcasts and he's still figuring stuff out um so rewinding to our last episode, it turned out that. We were pretty quiet Mm -hmm. overall, and uh, so Josh sent over this template in Logic to help kind of lift up the volume in a more natural way. So he sent his kind of custom uh, compressor presets and stuff Uh like that, and you just have to drop in the tracks and it'll Mm -hmm. kind of fix it for you. But of course, you know, the downside is anytime you try to boost up audio, you're also lifting up any of the background noise and and crap that you don't want to pick up. Yeah. So that's not the best. Um, This time around is why I wanted to boost my microphone a little bit more on the input side before we record anything, just to make sure we're getting more of my voice. But that still kind of carries some of the problem. And, uh... He was just looking up just the other day uh, for his podcast that he works on. Um, Mm. But basically there's these little preamps that you can um, plug into the end of your microphone and it comes in between the microphone and the interface. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is getting really technical for people who know nothing about (laughs) audio recording. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know anything either until I picked up this hobby. Um, but basically, yeah. it's just this little—it's just a little box. It's like smaller than a pack of cigarettes, and um, apparently, it really applies a nice natural boost to your volume. Um, so it's picking up more of your voice, not necessarily more of that background noise. So it's not like turning up—I don't know how to explain it. It sounds like magic. Yeah. It's not turning up the volume overall. It's just making your microphone more sensitive, I guess.
1: Yeah. Well, you would think that there would be a way, I'm sure there is, in fact, that like, because every time our voice registers, it's registering, you know, above a certain level. Yeah. Because we're right next to the microphone. So there must be something that, there's probably people like shouting at their, at their, uh, <laughs> at their podcast phone right now, yeah, or whatever yeah. they listen to, they're like, duh, you idiot. No, but there's like a thing that you could just boost anything that's over this decibel level, but not anything that's under that decibel level. Oh, right, right. So then it would automatically cut out the background noise.
0: Well, see, that's another kind of challenge. In the last episode, I had all this background noise. So I did a, a noise gate, which um, will cut out anything below a certain decibel. So I had this l- low hum from my hard drive, mm-hmm. which I unplugged the hard drive this time. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it, uh, it it boosted up all the volume, which sounded great for the voice. But then there's like this going on in the background. Um, I used that noise gate, so it cut it out for whenever I was quiet. When I was silent, it would cut that out. But while I, once I was talking and the decibels, you know, go back up to that normal level, Mm -hmm. the gate, it won't, it won't mute, you know, just the hard drive noise. It would mute everything. Yeah. I think at that uh, point you have
1: to do like, uh, where you just cut everything that is that frequency in the whole recording.
0: Yeah. And, um, there's some tools like you can, um, audacity is a free app that you can get and they have a remove noise option. Um, yeah. and it's kind of complicated, but in logic, maybe in GarageBand too, you can find the, the equalizer range, like what frequency they're at and do a polarized thing, um, where it subtracts exactly that frequency and nothing else, but that's kind of complicated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, apparently though, there's some software which, thanks to Josh, um, called uh Isotope or RX mm-hmm. Isotope. And it's this like sophisticated sound editing, sound healing type of software. It costs like hundreds, maybe even up to a thousand bucks if you get like a whole suite of it um and it, w- one of the things it does really well is removing that noise so i sent oh, I him see. my file he fixed it for me sent it back <laughs> and that's why there no one go. knows all of these problems that we're talking about because josh has this great software to fix it all he's <laughs> a magician yeah yeah
1: yeah that's nice when you have friends in high places this is what i do with video editing i have a friend who uh Uh, edits or does video videography and stuff for the journal of the american medical association and so whenever beyond this point does stuff he comes and shoots the video often which is very kind of him but um also like the editing anytime i need something edited i'm like hey eric (laughs) because it would take me like five hours to figure it out and he's like oh yeah i can do it in like 20 minutes just send it right over you know and then he just like quickly like you know puts together the clips i went together or whatever um, oh, that's cool
0: i didn't know the journal did anything video i thought it was just you know apparently they do a lot papers. of stuff
1: i feel bad i should go check some of it out maybe i maybe i can't even have access to it i don't know maybe uh, it's like a maybe subscription you could have thing.
0: them on the podcast
1: yeah there you go <laughs> yeah. uh, but anyway it's like welcome welcome to our podcast two guys who know nothing about audio or video talking about audio and video
0: a couple of hobbyists who are figuring it out along the way
1: (laughs) yeah oh actually i thought about that that would be a really good podcast um Hmm. i was thinking about this actually because of um elite dangerous this game that i've been talking to you about this video Uh game that's like this incredibly vast thing which maybe we can talk about in a minute but um i was thinking like oh there needs to be a podcast that's like a beginner's journey and it's like just chronicling like what you do from the start that way when someone's getting into it, they like pull that up and like go to episode one, and they're like, oh, "I can just listen to this while I play, and it's like kind oh. of like, "Oh, I'm figuring it out alongside this other person who's also figuring it out you you, know? you mean
0: you mean like a podcast about that game,
1: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah so like, be kind or, of cool. or, or anything you do it could be like photography like here's my podcast about learning photography, and yeah. instead of it being just like um." you're like listening to an expert talk about it it's like you're the person is also in your shoes
0: of course oh, they need yeah. to have
1: a very structured way they're learning it so that they can be passing it on to you but right. it's i always think like learning new skills like that is always nicer when you're doing it with somebody else because you can like bounce ideas off of them or you just have someone else that's in your shoes asking the questions that you probably are also asking
0: yeah um, or maybe that person has access to people who know a lot more so if if you the listener you know doesn't have that much then um you know maybe the person who's making that podcast that person is also learning from the beginning but they might be able to talk to someone who can give them some professional advice or something right like that. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly i think that'd be so nice yeah i like that idea especially for the games yeah for that'd sure for cool. sure
0: yeah all right so uh we'll take a break <laughs> and uh get back to you after these brief messages from our sponsors <laughs> is a, a gin matcha i don't know if i'm pronouncing it right or mm. gin mai-cha. have you had that before it's um it's the type of green tea that is mixed with um roasted rice oh uh, nice roasted little kernels of rice so you get this overall uh green tea kind of bitterness and zest but then there's like this warm kind of roasted note from the the toasted rice
1: Oh. That's really nice. That's really nice. No, I've only drinking drink drunk drink drink drink. drink, drink t- drunk. <laughs> I don't know. You've green only had tea. <laughs> I've only had green tea. Yeah, there you go. Had green tea like just plain like putting the leaves in the water and just uh-huh. like pouring the the hot water on the leaves, but yeah. Um and then eating the leaves, which is actually good. Oh, They're really? Good for you and it t- it doesn't taste bad. I never thought about that.
0: Yeah. Probably yeah, got a lot of nutrients in there. hmm
1: So by the way, uh we f- we didn't end up meeting up when I came back from China. Uh yeah. in November. But we got or I guess it was the very beginning of December. Uh but we got you uh a little mm-hmm. canister of green tea.
0: Oh wow, that's so cool.
1: And it's just been sitting in our refrigerator. <laughs> uh so someday, <laughs>
0: is that what you do with tea? You're supposed to keep it in the fridge. I've never done the, that.
1: They say they said to keep it. They said to freeze it um, if you're not going to use it within like a year, I think, mm-hmm. and then to uh, otherwise keep it in the refrigerator. And it just makes the life of it a lot longer. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: I have a friend that um, had a wedding or a second wedding in India and brought back a, a small little cube of uh, loose leaf tea. From mm. India, so I've got that too, but um, I need to locate my tea filter, <laughs> so I can actually make some. Yeah. Oh, but that's that's yes. really cool. Tea from China as well.
1: Yeah, You'll yeah. You'll have sure to come about. to New York, or I, I
0: guess you can mail it. But um,
1: yeah, uh, we visit. we thought about <laughs> mailing it, but then we thought, well, I don't know. It was so fragile. When we took our little tin out when we got uh-huh. home, one of them was like really dented, oh. and i mean it was fine but it's dented and then also like if you're supposed to keep it refrigerated i don't know if it like matters if it'll be gets warm and then you're refrigerated again yeah so we've just been sitting on it okay
0: that's cool
1: <laughs> until they'll be sometime soon we'll see each other i'm sure there'll be a lot of people wanting to do a lot of traveling like once this is blown over because it's like oh yeah. my god i have to go see people <laughs> i know
0: like, i was planning not not firm plans but you know i was gonna go to mexico relatively mm-hmm. soon to see my parents and now i feel like just the soonest moment that this is lifted i'm just gonna like buy a ticket
1: right yeah yeah you might have to take a gamble on when you think it'll lift because you can probably get super cheap airfare <laughs> yeah i know and I then have a feeling
0: the prices will
1: skyrocket later oh uh, the demand will be very high i would imagine <sighs>
0: So anyway, yeah. what were we talking about? What Key were we talking about? There.
1: We were talking about pod, how it'd be cool to have a podcast that like guided beginners as a beginner through something. Yeah.
0: Like a video game walkthrough. You, you remember, I mean, they still have them, but my memory of them is as a kid, uh, you know, you could go to GameStop or whatever and get these nice glossy guidebooks that mm-hmm. would like here's like all the little hidden features you could find in zelda and all the different things on this quest
1: and right except um, that that's by an expert again that's like by someone who like knows everything about the game which is mostly what i've watched on youtube about elite dangerous Uh but like i just i think it'd be cool to have one that's not that's like i'm just a beginner figuring shit out like (laughs) or like i'm reading a book and figuring out things but like you're again just getting it from the view of the beginner.
0: I wonder if that's what people get out of Twitch. Maybe, you yeah. Know? Yeah, because I don't really watch Twitch a lot, but, um, might. Obviously, you know, maybe I'm the minority. I'm sure Twitch is very popular, but, um, mm-hmm. I. I'll go on to Twitch or YouTube or whatever, just to basically watch someone play it for maybe 10 minutes to get an idea of what the graphics are like, what the gameplay looks like. Cause, um, I'll watch the trailer for a game too, but usually the trailer, you know, is edited and like looks very polished. So I'll go into Twitch to see like a real person actually playing it and see if it looks, you know, fun or if it like, you know, overhyped or anything. Um, But I don't know if maybe people who, like, just sit and watch Twitch all the time, are they just there for what you're describing? Where, like, vicariously living through someone, like, learning a game?
1: Yeah, I think so. Although I think most of the people on Twitch are, like, really seasoned video game players. Although that doesn't mean they won't play, like, a new game and, and post something on Twitch. So maybe that's what I need to check out.
0: Yeah, yeah. I see stuff, like, I'm reading, like, the headlines of them sometimes. And it'll be, like, you know picking up what blah, blah blah like Zelda or whatever for the first time or trying out this game. But yeah, you're right. They are overall I guess gaming experts or someone who's just really yeah, fluent with that type of game.
1: <laughs> well, what's what's ba- what's bad about that? Sometimes like th- in these elite dangerous videos that I've been watching is that like they even though it's like the video's like beginner's guide yeah. for this game, they like use so much jargon that you're like I have no idea what you're talking about. Like you know, like, I, so I it's am like not in this universe yet. <laughs>
0: where where you have a bunch of professionals who don't know how to teach. Exactly. That is my number one gripe about higher education, which I, I ran into a little, and here's another tangent, but <laughs> I ran into this a little bit in undergrad. Um, like, uh, I think it was a couple psychology classes were taught by people who were professionals and they're just like adjunct professors and Mm -hmm. i got the sense that they're kind of like dumping knowledge but they're not necessarily teaching right but man in medical school mary got that like times 10 where you would have these people who's like a geneticist and they would just like blow through this stuff and i don't know i mean it's been a long time since i taught english but um when I took my course to teach English, a lot of it was, you know, how to teach, not necessarily what to teach. And there's just some basic stuff like read the room, check for understanding, (laughs) you know, you want to intermittently like pause and like just directly like ask someone, you know, if they're getting it to get a sense. Um, And then the big one for me was being okay with silence. Um, Yeah. Obviously as people can probably tell with, podcasting <laughs> i i'm just very eager to keep talking or kind of fill in the blank and it was funny when i was doing my practice sessions because you had to do a few weeks of teaching a class and they would observe you teach mm-hmm. and what would happen would i would uh, ask you know some sort of grammatical question about like, what would the past tense of this be and then i would pause for like five seconds and it would get uncomfortably quiet and i'm looking around the room no one's about to raise their hands so i just start answering and i like write the explanation on the board mm-hmm. and uh that's when my my advisors told me like, no, you need to actually wait longer, be be uncomfortable and just let it, you know, sit out there and they will come up with an answer or, you know, ask them why they're not coming up with one. Right. Um, But, yeah, you don't get that from professionals, like a professional geneticist teaching a genetics class in a medical school. um, They're not going to make sure that the students are with them. So it's like it's this weird contradiction of like, sure, they hold all the knowledge, but the point of paying thousands of dollars, I think for school (laughs) is to have someone who is experienced in, uh, you know, getting that knowledge into the brain. (laughs) Anyone can pick up a textbook.
1: Yeah. I mean, you would think so. Um, I guess the, the, what they're deciding is that you should already know how to learn once you're in that setting. Like you've learned how to learn. So now you can just like take the information and you figure out how to teach it to yourself. Like I'm going to give it to you. Mm-hmm. which is not great. I'm not like advocating that. I'm just saying that like that's probably like the attitude in general, like we don't need to I spoon think so. feed. But I think we underestimate the value of spoon feeding something but a little bit. I I
0: I would argue there's a middle ground between spoon feeding and <laughs> yeah, you're right. education and self self education. I think just witnessing, I don't know if this is true for all the other students, but at least Mary, you know, um would have to take it upon herself to look up entire topics, research what all these words mean and stuff. Um, Cause the professor would just throw it out there. Like you said, with jargon um, and you'd think, okay, sure. If you're all, you know, doctors and you're taking this course, you should know a certain amount of jargon, but these are students who are learning medicine for the first time in their lives. And they probably have not heard mm-hmm. this jargon. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. That's my bit. Also, you know, if you're paying like thousands and thousands of dollars, um, it's like.
1: Right. I didn't also mean to say that like it should. Yeah, there, there you're right. There is a middle ground. Um, I think what we miss out on most of the time is like it's not enough to know the answer. You have to know how your brain gets to the answer. Mm, yeah. So you need those like leading questions and things so you can figure out like, oh, that's the chain of like the process chain I can follow to get to the answer. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's like super important. I I do that with my students a lot, you know, like I don't want to ever just tell them like, like, okay, this is going to sound really jargony, but like, do you know like which, which of these two keys like are relative to each other in terms of like major scales and minor scales? No one's going to hear what that means. But instead of just telling them the answer, I have to like tell them the process that you find it out. And I'll do that over Mm -hmm. and over again. Because what I I don't really want them to remember the relationship necessarily, but like I don't I don't want them to remember like oh it's this key and this key. I want them to remember how you figure it out. Yeah. Because then they'll always be able to figure it out. It's the teach a Fish thing, right? I mean.
0: Yeah, I thought you know again with the music example, one of one of the coolest things, like kind of mind mind blowing things I remember as a kid uh, was with my piano teacher. We were doing uh, a two-part invention by Bach Mm -hmm. and um I was approaching it just like any of these other songs I had learned as a newbie I don't know this is like year three or four or whatever of lessons and um I I consumed music um like uh trying to describe this for a non-music audience if you ever see like um those old-timey, what are they called, player pianos, where you have a roll of paper that has the hole punches, and then the piano, or like a a music box. And you have all these bumps, and then the instrument just strikes each bump as it comes along. Mm -hmm. When I was first learning piano, that was kind of how my brain looked at music. You have all these black dots on the paper, and I tried to make sure that all of my fingers were hitting, you know, each of those dots as they as they came into line. <laughs> and you know, if there's a chord with three notes in the left hand and I had a note on the right hand, then I'd hit all four of those.
1: Um Right. Like uh guitar hero style.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> I was just kinda like consuming it, you know, hey, here we go, it's coming. I gotta hit this and then hit this, boom, boom, boom. Um anyway, this was kind of a mind blowing moment because my teacher and this is very Basic for anyone who already knows music, but my teacher had me stop and um, play the different hands separately and i have been used to music that was just left hand the bass sounds just being um kind of the supporting rhythm or the chords uh you know like do 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 or maybe you have like a do 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 kind I of alternating thing yeah and uh, and then very easy to just kind of pay it, focus most of my attention i like that would be you know background and then most of my attention would be on the melody in the right hand that usually has like one note at a time kind of painting a, a picture so with this this Bach piece and many others like that um, she had me separate this and, and play it one hand at a time and when I was doing the left hand that I hadn't paid attention to mm-hmm. she had me emphasize certain notes in the left hand and then all of a sudden I started to see there's there's a melody in the left hand too it's not just this robotic kind of baseline. You mean and she then, didn't
1: tell you this before you started?
0: No, which I kind of, <laughs> I kind of appreciate this because it was, okay. the reason I'm telling the story is it was one of those things where like, I'm learning by example. And then she tells me the technical explanation for it. So she had me see this, this left hand and like pay attention to it. And I could hear, Oh, there's like a little melody going on down here too. And then, um, she got a highlighter and highlighted basically parts of the melody for me on the paper. And there, and she had me, um, this is turning into a longer explanation that I wanted, (laughs) but (laughs) she had me, uh, play some parts in between the, the, that shared the left and the right hands. And basically to fast forward a little bit, there were three different voices or three different, um, maybe melodies that you could hear. Mm -hmm. Um, some that were like, you know, the the top voices just in the right hand. Some like baritone voices just in the left hand. And then there was another one that was, you know, kind of crossing in between the two hands. And that blew my mind because, you know, consuming it like a player piano, <laughs> you're just hitting all the notes at the same time. Like that's my top priority. Yeah. I wasn't paying attention to like making sure that there were three different voices going on. And once once she highlighted that for me... metaphorically and literally with a highlighter (laughs) then then it sounded totally different Um, and then that's when she explained that it was you know polyphony and uh, you know multiple voices in the same thing and uh, that was really cool If if I were to go to, like, college or uh, whatever, I don't know. And, <laughs> if I were to go to
1: college. <laughs> if I were to go to college and, and learn this.
0: I, I didn't study music in college, but I just, you know, if this were, like, the med school approach, you would have someone up there who'd be like, okay, now we're going to discuss polyphony uh, in box two and three-part inventions, and you'll fi-, you know, and, like, mm-hmm. they would, like, tell it to you, but I wouldn't really internalize it until
1: that story happens. Right. No, I I mean, I'm kind of, I don't know. I do let my students figure out some things on their own, but I try to ask leading questions. Like I don't, I don't want them to place something like a two-part invention without understanding that it's a two-part invention and what that is. Like I I wouldn't even want to introduce that to them, but I might, I might ask them questions so that they figure it out, Uh but they figure it out before they start learning it. Like I, there are too many things that I learned as a young musician that I was like, why didn't someone just. (laughs) <laughs> Tell me that's what it was. That was what was going on, especially with technique on drums. Like I just like, why didn't someone just say this, you know? And yeah. so I try to always just make that very evident to students. Like,
0: I, And I would appreciate that too. Mm-hmm. I think there's like, probably a, a, a fine line and this probably just comes down to, you know, your skill as a teacher of learning, Um, you know, how much to let the student struggle and mm-hmm. kind of internalize it versus how much is struggling in vain and you're really just not supporting
1: the student. Sure. Right. Yeah. And I do, you know, I have moments where they are struggling and I'll say, this is the part where I'm teaching you to teach yourself. Like, remember that, like (laughs) I, I could give you the answer, but this is important for you like to be able to like you'll you'll accelerate your learning much more if i let you figure this out now instead of me telling you and but i always like just tell them like i don't know why we have to like that doesn't need to be like a magic show it's not like yeah uh it's not like entertainment where it's like the showbiz you know like what you see is not exactly what it is it's like no i'm just gonna tell you exactly what i'm doing like right now i'm i'm challenging you i don't want you to be frustrated I don't want you to know that your frustration is part of the learning process, and it needs to be right now. So don't, like, don't be frustrated and feel like this isn't for you. You're frustrated because that's you figuring it out, and that's you learning, and that's, like, you're going to be better on the other side of that. So, you know, don't get don't get discouraged. That's what I really don't want is people to get discouraged, and then yeah. they don't practice, and then whatever, you know. Yeah, that's true. So... Also, just like they need to sometimes they need to be told like how to practice. Like, I was like, if you try to practice this for half an hour, you're gonna get really discouraged because it's really hard and you're gonna like get bored and you're actually not gonna be processing it. So, I was like, just take it in bite sized chunks, like <laughs> do two or three. Right. And I, I hope that kind of stuff helps because no one also told me that stuff. Um, you know, that you need to like really diversify the way you learn things because your brain will only do like high quality processing for so long and then you're just like beating a dead horse you know what i mean like yeah so one of the things that i think about is like the ability to play speaking of metronomes like we did at the beginning of this podcast um being able to play with a metronome and not just like kind of keep up with it but like hit it like dead in a bullseye like like not even hitting it on a bullseye like it's like someone already hit the bullseye and you put an arrow through their arrow right damn trying that to, sounds impossible <laughs> trying to play that consistently and then also being even in between the metronome like not going like da, 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 da. like okay sure right. i'm hitting the metronome every time but everything in between it is garbage so like these things take Incredibly like high evenly
0: divide divide the beats, you mean. Yeah.
1: yeah. Like when you're doing this, if you like had like if you could go to like your activity monitor like you can on Max and you could see your CPU usage, it's like in the you know, high eighties, low nineties. It's like really using your CPU, right? To yeah. do that. And you cannot sustain that for a long time. So you have to like just think, I'm gonna do this for like five minutes. But I yeah. have to really focus because otherwise you keep doing it, but you're actually not focusing. You know, you're just kind of going through the motion and then it's like, oh, it's a wasted practice time because Interesting. there's no point in doing those exercises if you're not hyper focused on a thing. My, um,
0: this is transitioning to a music podcast, but <laughs> my, my biggest frustration, uh, in learning piano was rhythm and following the, the exact tempo, um. And it got it got so bad to this point where I just abolished the metronome. I was like, you know, fuck you, um, I'm not gonna not gonna even bother this. I'm just gonna I'm gonna take the notes and I'm gonna play them how I feel like it should sound. And <laughs> and it just became it just became for me. I kind of gave up on the perfection and and I was just like, all right, you know, I'm just gonna play this how I
1: wanted. But um, you you committed many blasphemes. Yeah that's
0: I know it well (laughs) maybe I needed a better teacher uh at that time in my learning but um it just became this kind of frustration of like try and fail try and fail and then fuck I can't do it so I'm not going to do it at all
1: (laughs) yeah well the thing about like the thing about getting rid of the metronome is that you lose track of your sense of time which Mm. is like dangerous in music because usually when you take time you have to give it back and so there's this general feeling of like things are moving on at a continuous pace mm-hmm. otherwise it gets like really soppy it's like this this sort of thing happens in all kinds of art to different extents have you ever seen like uh a painting which a visual artwork that's just like indulging in itself too much it's like it's like making a point, but then it starts to beat you over the head with it. And oh it's like, yeah, yeah. So this is kind of a similar thing, which is that like you're emoting, but you're not. You don't have a check on it, which the metronome serves as a check on your like expressiveness. If you just express yourself fully without any check at all, then it becomes like it's like that friend who calls you and they're complaining. But they're not putting it in perspective at all. they're just like, but wah, 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 and then, wah, wah. and you're like, i this is terrible, I do, like li- yeah. I do not want to rambly I do not want to listen to this, you know, versus someone who's like, "Man, I had a really hard time today, but I know they're probably just having a bad day too, and like you can engage in that conversation like for someone who's got they're like they're seeing it from outside of themselves interesting. this is to me what I compare the metronome to because huh. it's like you do want to express something but you also have to have the perspective of like this is existing in a temporal space that like people are also experiencing like and they need to feel like the beat is an important component of music that you can't like Mm -hmm. you can't just uh compromise indefinitely yeah and so the most sublime music is stuff that can really like it plays with that but at the end of the day you never felt like it was like you don't even realize it it's like sub subverting you know your your um your view of time so you think it's in time Mm -hmm. like they've convinced you it is because they've just moved it enough that um you don't really perceive it but you feel the emotion in that moment if that makes sense like like whenever uh people actually do notice like whenever they're in like a a really emotional situation that time slows down or people have a lot of like Mm -hmm. uh you know um what's the right word anecdotes for like time and like how it changes based on how you're like how you're feeling and how you experience it but it does that in a way that you don't you don't perceive when it happens you can't perceive that now i'm in a space where time feels slower but you don't notice the switching point you know or anything like that like so everything has to be very subversive when you're dealing with like changing musical elements interesting think about that with actually oh, sorry i know this is getting very musicky so we can we can change topics anytime i mean but,
0: I, uh, I I like it, but you you said that you uh, you were sick of talking about music.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, I don't know what it would be like if we had a whole music podcast where it's all we talked where about. Where the pressure
0: but, is on. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But this is pretty interesting to me. Um, I mean, all the elements of music can be exploited in this way, but only to certain extents, I think, before they get... Like, they... They become unrelatable, so like harmony or um pitch is another like element to this. like people do a lot of pitch bending, but when mm-hmm. you do like so like I mean a lot of world musics um and contemporary music I mean, they explain like the pitch, the pitch pitch bending or slight variations to pitch mm-hmm. but if you lose your reference for pitch, like if you if it's all so changed and augmented that you can't really pick up you don't really notice the pitch bends because everything's bent then if everything is just off (laughs) you've lost the effect and this is the same thing with the time right if everything is out of time then nothing nothing there's no like deviation from the normal to feel the emotion because everything Mm. is just all over the place
0: Hmm. that's interesting um, this would probably be better if we had examples to, to edit into the show and all that, but, uh, I think sure. we <laughs> covered a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll think about that. If I think of something I send you to, uh, I can send you to, uh, yeah, listen, well, I mean, re- I can send you some, I mean, a great thing would be some Bach cello concertos for the time thing because, yeah. uh, and specifically like. Um, I mean, Yo-Yo Ma is great, but I, I'm i really... Cello concertos uh, or Oh uh, Sorry, not cello concertos. You're right. Cello sweets. Yeah, Thank okay. you. That's um, awesome. Yo-Yo Ma is great, but uh, I really prefer Peter Wispelway, who's another cellist, mm. uh, the way he interprets. Um, and you can just hear some of this time. Like if you try to tap your foot along with it, you notice it right away. But if you don't tap your foot, it doesn't feel like it's out of time because he's just kind of, you know, moving it enough that interesting. Um, so anyway maybe that's something you can plug in is uh some peter wispel way playing cello suites <laughs> um sure
0: Yeah, that's the only reason I, you know, we were... So, again, to step out of our conversation for the podcast, uh, we had talked about if we wanted... If we're doing enough of these recordings, we wanted to do another podcast, like, forking off of this one, then, you know, what, what types of things could we talk about? The, the reason I was thinking about music was that I, as a editor had a fun time in our music episodes in the past to uh, you know, we would talk about a certain thing. You say, Oh, it's like this. And then I was able to go and grab the actual Mm -hmm. sound so that uh, you know, being a auditory medium, people can, can also be there and they can, you know, learn something and then they can have something to listen to, to kind of compare it to. Um, I remember uh, Nick and I took this uh, class in college. It was just a intro to music, but I think the, the most fun part was, um, it was just learning how to listen to stuff and there's something mm-hmm. really fun about someone giving a nice setup and then you listen, uh, or maybe you listen before and after and you kind of like, you know, hear something different about that now that you've been given something to focus on. Um, and that's just kind of fun, uh, kind of a, a, a little magic trick that happens in audio, I think. But, um... But, yeah, I didn't want to, of course, pigeonhole you to only talking about music the whole time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Well, what could be interesting, I mean, the thing that scares me about this is, like, do we have any listeners that would send in questions? But, like, having listeners ask a question about, like, could you just talk about, like, the music in this movie? I love the music in this movie. Yeah, And then there's something specific to look at, because what I don't want to do is, like, have to, like, watch a bunch of stuff and find something to talk about. Yeah, I want yeah. somebody to prompt me with, like, something that they're interested in. And then I, I'm much better that way. Like, I think it, after, like, if I give up on my music career, which is a possibility at some point, I think what <laughs> I would do is become a consultant. Because I'm way uh-huh. better when somebody presents a problem to me, and then I can work on it. But yeah. what I hate is doing the analysis to, like, find the problems and things like that. Or to, like, I don't know. Like, I'm so much better when I'm just reacting to a question. Like, my mental, the way my mind works Mm -hmm. is, like, so much better that way, I think, than just, like, generation. Which is really weird to say as an artist. Like, I'm not as great at generating content. um, But I'm really good at solving a problem. Right. I'm really good good at solving a problem. Like, how do we get from this piece to this piece? Mm Then I can, like, look at it and I can find a really smooth way, you know by attacking certain like parts of the music, like, like exploiting certain elements of the music so that these things blend together. Um, I'm good at that, but I'm, I'm like, if you like write a piece, I'm like, Ooh, not me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I feel like that's the same thing as, as a designer. I, um, I'm really good. Uh, I like to say that I'm a professional complainer. (laughs) I'm really good (laughs) at identifying problems. You know, uh, before I worked at audible, uh, I was a consultant, basically, or I worked at an agency that did consulting. So, you know, a mm-hmm. bank would come to you like, oh, we need a new website or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but a huge part of my job as the user experience side of things, not necessarily the graphical side of things, was just to find out like, where, where is this flow breakdown? You know, if I'm trying to open a checking account, what are the, you know, the difficulties? What are the confusing forms you're having me fill out? Or maybe you're you're asking me, you know, for like what country I live in. And it just starts with Afghanistan because that's alphabetical and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I'm really good at nitpicking and finding anything that could be somewhat confusing or just too belabored. Um, but um, and, you know, I think I'm thinking pretty good at coming up with some solutions now because that's also part of my job. But right. if someone were to just say, hey, Rob, make a cool app. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm like, like uh, what what the hell is that i don't know what is a cool app you know, right, what, is right. it you know um a texting app or is it a, a you know calendar management or <laughs> whatever mm-hmm. i need i need i need some frames to to kind of like pigeonhole me into something specific yeah and then when they're like okay make the best calendar app then i would be able to go out Download all the calendar apps that currently exist. Find out what ones are mm-hmm. cool, what ones are shitty. Why are they shitty? Are there any problems exactly. that exist across all of them that no one has solved? Now that would be cool. Find that one problem, and then I could be the one to solve that problem that no one else is addressing. Although nine times out of ten, it turns out there's a good reason.
1: Right. <laughs> no one exactly. Has that. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I don't know why this came to mind, but you, have you heard that you know Apple bought the Dark Sky app? uh no i didn't know that yeah it 's a weather app that was really popular on Android, and they mm-hmm. decided that the uh the thing that was really wrong with the dark Sky app is that it was available to Android users, so they're gonna <laughs> immediately cut that off. they're like sure. this app that's super <laughs> popular and then just abandon half the users like it was like, oh man, that's so cut so
0: they so i've seen a lot of weather apps use dark sky's data feed oh um is I don't. I don't know anything about this, but you mean that they, they basically bought the rights to all of it, so they're shutting that off to all the weather apps, or
1: I don't know that much. I'm sure they could. Hmm. I mean, they could just not make the the feed available. Because um, I don't know if that's the case or not, but I think it might be just the app interface and everything. Okay. I don't I know use There's that a app.
0: website. Yeah. There. Uh,
1: I've heard but when of the I app. read that. Yeah. When I read that, I was like. that's so shitty (laughs) like how to good good job to not make friends like you know yeah Uh, anyway well i mean they don't need to make friends if you're not an apple customer (laughs) that's the thing that pisses me off about apple like i like their products i just like sometimes i'm like man like this would just be so nice if it could be cross compatible or you know because like i've got like not everybody in the world uses apple and not everybody in the world is ever going to use apple you couldn't possibly keep up with that that market share well, maybe you could. Right. I mean, you're pretty good at exploiting, you know, countries that their labor laws. So maybe they could keep up with <laughs> keep up with that uh-huh. kind of demand. But just like, you know, I, I I guess I don't mind that in a company. But then they also talk about, like, how they're bringing the world together, like how they connect the world and blah, blah, blah. It's Facebook. You know? Well, but no, but they, you know, every tech company does this, yeah, right? Yeah. They're like, we're bringing people together. It's like, ah, actually, you're just, you know, alienating half of the people. <laughs> half of the market. Yeah. I mean, when they say
0: bringing the world together, they just hope that all their, all the world becomes their customer. But, um, yeah. Anyway, not, not sorry.
1: Tangent, not
0: to defend them per se, but I was just going to point out that I feel like a lot of tech companies do that type of stuff there. There's probably, you know, a really good startup, uh, that's out there for a year or two and then it gets popular and then it gets bought out by another Mm -hmm. company, you know, like, uh, Facebook bought Instagram, Facebook bought WhatsApp. Um, Uh but they are they're getting money from usage, I guess. So they mm-hmm. want to continue to support having WhatsApp on all all the on all the phones. And and Google does that too. But <clears throat> Facebook and Google, they're not hardware companies. So right. maybe uh we notice it more when someone like Apple does this because Apple is not only software but they're also hardware. So in order I guess to get people excited about buying their hardware, they want to have a few exclusive things, so maybe that's why they do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess well Google is kind of a hardware company now, the, right? Yeah, they are now a little bit, but, yeah. They and I don't I don't get the same sense from them though that they want to like um they want to drive people to only using their stuff. Like, I mean, they use like the, the standard connections on their equipment. They don't like make you buy like
0: the like, peripheral, like
1: the lightning bullshit. Like, I mean, yeah, to me, like that stuff's all good and it works well. But like, if you're really about like, I guess they're up. you know, this is how, you know, a company is really about making money and not like money. Making money is above innovation. Like mm-hmm. innovation serves the making money because if it was all about innovation, then like, it would be like okay let's figure out an industry standard so that there's more people innovating on the same equipment like that's how like why open source stuff always takes yeah. off and goes crazy because it's like well yeah anybody but now you're opening the innovation to literally anyone who has the knowledge but in this uh, case of the apple it's all very closed you know you can't like I don't know. It seems very close. Like, the chargers are different. The, the USB ports are different. They're not USB. They're lightning, you know. Yeah. You need dongles for everything. Even from, like, one device to the next generation of the device needing to always get updated things. Like, I understand, like, there's innovation happens and you have to keep updating. But it, too much of it, to me, seems like in service of, like, well, now people will have to buy the new thing because... <laughs> You know, they'll get left behind and it's like, it's more than it being necessary or like useful. It's like, well, you're going to have to quit using those headphones because now there's not going to be a headphone jack. So now you got to buy the really expensive (laughs) AirPods or something. I don't really get that as much. So,
0: yeah. And again, I guess I'm not, I'm not defending them because there's good and bad to both of it so like i think it's Mm -hmm. bullshit that they have those custom peripherals like the lightning cable or whatnot yeah um maybe at the time i don't really know the history of it but maybe like they were able to invent the lightning cable as like a faster data cable before usb-c existed Mm -hmm. and now they're just obstinate in the fact that usb-c is available and it's fast and they could just switch over to it, but they're continuing to stick to the Lightning cable. Right. And I think that's just a dick move. Although they they have switched it on the iPads, so all the iPads as well as the laptops now. Huh. Um, if you get any of those new devices, it's USB C. It, it doesn't use mm-hmm. Lightning anymore. Oh, um, so that's kind of cool. But the phones well, I guess are they still are Lightning finally switching. Well, R- rumor has it that the next iPhone will also be USB C. Hmm. Um. I don't know if that's also part regulation cuz I heard like some country in Europe had ruled that, you know. Oh yeah, it has to be like that's... universal or whatever. But anyway, I was going to say something about this that I kind of forgot, but um ah oh, shit, it was a good point too. Uh, I, I was maybe just I'll saying think that of it. <laughs> Yeah, with like the innovation um oh, the design philosophies. Yeah, again so mm-hmm. I don't know too much about hardware and how hardware design even happens, but you know, like with software and interfaces and, um, similar to what you're describing with hardware of like, how much control do you give the user? Mm -hmm. Um, as like a basic example, I remember, you know, back in high school I had a windows computer and I even learned how to build my own. Uh, so that's cool. Just the hardware alone that I could build it. You can't really build a Mac. Um, But with the software, well, they definitely don't want you to. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) With, with the software, you can, um, you can customize a lot more in windows. I could download these skins and, you know, give it a cool theme Mm -hmm. and, um, set up a lot more customization as to how the computer operates in the Mac. It's, um, it's not there or if it is there, it's really deep. You have to be pretty technically advanced to customize the Mac. Um, and from my point of view as like a UX designer that is, um, there's two ways to solve this problem of getting people to have a good experience with your software. If I just give you a phone or give you a computer and you are, you know, grandma and you don't know too much about things, mm-hmm. the <laughs> Poor the grandma. Mac. Yeah. sorry, grandma. <laughs> Um, you know the the idea with the mac is sure there's there's going to be a learning curve to any type of technology you, you know you're not i'm not saying mac is like the easiest thing to immediately pick up i think it's pretty easy but I, i've been using it for a while but the thing that it does is it has these guardrails you can't um you know you can't break things as easily uh f- True. for example like with um with software Uh, If you have an app on your Mac or um, Photoshop, if you have, well, maybe that's a bad example, Word. So if you have Word Mm -hmm. on a PC or um, Mac, I think it's been a while, but uh, if you're opening up with a folder for Word in your PC, you know, it has all these different contents in it and you see these different like weird file types um, like system ne- files and stuff yeah, yeah you've got like the .exe which is the app itself and then you have all these other things along with it in the mac it's just word it's just an icon right. and a button that you can click and on the surface that makes it easier to open it but also that makes it harder to delete the little dependent things so if you mm-hmm. i remember in in windows it frustrated the hell out of me uh you'd miss like a DLL file mm-hmm. like, Oh, dot DLL is missing or something. Yeah. And that's because all these files were exposed to you. Right. So it gives, windows gives you greater control, but that also gives you more ability to make ac- uh, make mistakes and accidentally delete shit that shouldn't be deleted. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I don't know where I was going with this, but I, I guess I was saying, you know, the Mac kind of does things a little bit more like walled garden type of design, um but that's also just to kind of idiot proof things
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i totally get that and like to go back to the point about like lightning versus usbc it's like i i actually don't mind that like you know apple wants to make this cable they think is better and if they think it's better they want to stick with it but i think probably what, what would happen with that is like if uh you know google wanted to put lightning on the pixel they'd be like nope Oh, yeah. Not happening.
0: Proprietary, yeah. Yeah,
1: which then that is against innovation then, right? Like, if you are making the best thing, you have to, like, eventually... I mean, I get, like... That is weird. I don't know. Like, if... if I think we're... I'm just always a, a bigger fan of companies that seem to be more on the, like, let's have everybody be together bandwagon versus, like, let's try to make our thing so specific that, like, you have to have it and... Like, I don't know, it alienates the other people that don't have it. Yeah. I find, like, like Google probably has a lot of flaws, like, don't get me wrong, but I find that Google seems to be really good at this. They're, like, they give away so much stuff for free, like, because they, everything they do is through advertising, but it's, like... That was our, my next point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, which is fine, like, like I actually prefer that model in a way. It's kind of like TV, like, um, TV, like, you get free TV, and then they pay for it through advertising, and it's fine there's no barrier to entry on it and there's not any barrier to entry on the google stuff you know it's like you have to put up with the ads or you have to pay and that seems like a a reasonable request sure like in Um, a way you know i guess the data harvesting is you know some people (laughs) that would be my counter
0: argument yeah is um that they uh i guess they're more open about yeah everyone can use this because no matter who is using it, if I install, you know, a Google thing on my iPhone, um, I don't mm-hmm. have to own the Android phone. Google still makes money out of that. Yeah. Um, whereas if, I mean, I guess Apple could probably contract it out. But, like, if Android wants to use, if the Android wants to start mass producing, you know, lightning adapters on all their Android phones because it's better for whatever reason, um, Apple's not going to be making money off of that. Right. Um, but, um, with the software thing, yeah, the difference is like um the the data harvesting um and I could go on to a whole spiel about that, but yeah, as long <laughs> as people are aware that um you know a lot of those things the the main difference is I might be paying a little bit more for the iPhone. But at least it could all be a lie. Who knows? But I at least feel safer <laughs> that um, yeah. everything is encrypted, um, even in <clears throat> certain objects can't even be read by Apple, you know, like uh, my the steps that I take and my heart rate by my watch mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff that I like to keep track of just for fun. Um, n- it's behind my password and, you know, Apple can't even see that even if they were asked to 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 grab it um it's stored hmm. it's it's like a separate processor that sits next to the main processor and um your your face id or your fingerprint that kind of stuff like can only be, data yeah. yeah all that is like locked and encrypted locally so maybe hmm. the file could live on the cloud well, with the apple iCloud but um the uh the technology to unlock it only exists on this phone, which also sucks. If I were to smash my phone, then that's gone forever. Um, yeah, but, um, but yeah, so I guess the, just the privacy aspect, I mean, I'm tracked in other ways, of course, um, using, you know, Instagram or Facebook or any of that stuff, but um, at least for the Apple stuff, I feel like if I download something that's made by Apple, you know, then I feel like calendar or whatever, or the Apple mail that like, okay, well at least that data is not being tracked where it's with Gmail and Google calendar and stuff. It's like, yeah, great. This is nice free software, but they're, you know, scanning and keeping a record of all the emails that I write and, and how I phrase things and stuff. And we're mm-hmm. all teaching, through machine learning their their um artificial intelligence how to mimic human behavior more accurately and stuff yeah for free like that's they're gonna make billions of dollars off of artificial intelligence that approximates human behavior and it's gonna be this massive breakthrough um and all of the data and all the you know basically the education of their machine learning is coming from our free consumption of stuff like emails. Like when I write a paragraph in an email, I'm teaching a robot how to write a paragraph. Um, they're getting yeah. that for free. Um, and I'm getting, well, that's that. your payment. Yeah, that's um, my payment. But I guess I'm saying is that it's worth more, um, mm. than, than the value of Gmail, I guess. I don't know if I put a value in Gmail, but like if, let's say if it costs 10 bucks a month for email, which is kind of, mind-blowing to imagine paying for email mm-hmm. but if it was like you know 10 bucks a month for email even that like i think that what they are getting is more like a 100 dollars a month type of oh uh, you think so i think so
1: well
0: maybe i don't know i mean it's it's one of those like long long game kind of things where like right now sure it doesn't seem like it's worth that because they don't have a product yet but sure when they sure. do have this breakthrough um it's gonna make them so much it's going to be a game changer they're gonna be so much more wealthy that yeah having had you know that decade or couple decades of information along the way is now going to be like gold like they wouldn't have been able to do it without it
1: yeah i kind of agree although i think i google to me kind of has a reputation of like once that thing does happen we will then all share in that profit or that that new whatever that technology allows power,
0: our phones and our phones will, you know, be our best friends and everything
1: like her. (laughs) her. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, I kind of, I mean, as long as they don't rapidly change course, it seems like Google from the beginning has continuously put this data. They receive into products that then come out and are mostly free again. Like it's like their model is just to keep continuously, you know, spooling that way because they keep getting, the free data and they're able to make the better product and then they want more data to make the better product and yeah, more. Yeah. And, but then and it, the it's user kind of is symbiotic. Yeah. It's kind of symbiotic in a way. Um, I don't know. I, I don't want to make it seem like I don't think Google's got some evil shit about it. Cause I'm yeah. sure that all major, you know, you can't have a huge company like Amazon or Google or Apple yeah. or Microsoft without there being some hidden, Uh, you know stuff under the what it uh, slipped under the rug or and and i don't want
0: to be you know this conspiracy theorist either that like a big corporation is bad just because it's big but i will say that like um and this is probably a whole other podcast episode but i'll uh, try (laughs) to keep this this bit short in in design particularly user experience design there's this kind of original philosophy of human centered design uh, where you go out, you observe humans interacting with a thing, you know, an ATM or their phone or anything. And as a designer, your, your job is to, you know, objectively um, help facilitate that interaction um, with the human as the center. So the human is your primary interest. So, what does that mean, uh, you know, for example, on Amazon, uh, hopefully I don't get fired for this, but not that many <laughs> people listen. Let's, let's take Amazon as an example. My, if, if I take my job in its purest form, it would be to do absolutely what is best for the customer, what is best for the human. Um, so if someone is, you know, trying to decide if they want to sign up for Amazon Music Unlimited, and it costs whatever much money. Um, they we we might do user research and find out that oh, a lot of people aren't signing up because you know they're not sure about the monthly cost. Just a basic example. So we could hmm. fix in air quotes that page to be a lot more obvious about that. Um, now that could also have a downside on the business uh, once the. The long-term costs are more obvious then the person is less likely to um, jump on board and take that membership so there's an example of how doing what's best for the human of here you know outlining you know imagine if we're like okay so over the course of a whole year you'd be spending you know hundreds of dollars on music um when you could get you know this thing for free or whatever um so there there's always a point where you run in you can do what's best to for the human up to a certain point and then you have to mm-hmm. do what's best for the business. And uh that's why I, I hate this term of customer first and customer centered <laughs> because a customer is a subset of a human. If I'm right. a human on this website Let's not use Amazon anymore. Let's say, you know, Facebook or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, if I have ad blockers, I'm no longer a customer because Mm -hmm. I'm not consuming these ads and I'm not, you're not getting revenue from me. So it's possible to be a human and not be a customer. But a lot of these companies, of course, are customer focused. Right. So really, they're only interested in you as long as you're a customer. That's my long way of saying um, that, you know, yes, if Google were to come out with this awesome ai and take our phones and cars to the next level um that would facilitate our lives but typically the focus of what they are facilitating is probably only going to be in as much as it encourages more usage of google more mm-hmm. you know usage of the phone and if i you know want to have a phone detox or just go a day without my phone or whatever It will become harder and harder over time, um, because they are making it so easy and easier to not do that.
1: Right? That's true. No, that's very true. Um, I mean, well, it's like I think Elon Musk has talked about this before. It's like our gradual like transition to becoming well, we're already cyborgs because like we have such an infinite amount of knowledge because of our phones that we didn't have before so like we've already connected to a device that now makes us like a superhuman yeah in a way um and that's only gonna keep getting stronger and stronger and he's working on like Neuralink and all that stuff Mm -hmm. but like um i mean i just it seems almost like an unstoppable force and that like i agree it's it's like saying like well the same has been true all throughout history right like people made cars and then we made interstates and it's like, well now you can't have, you know, it's harder to have a life without a car or without a, it's harder to be a human the way you would be a long time ago. Like it's just more difficult because of these other things that are in the way, uh, in the way of that way of living, but are facilitating a different way of life. So I don't know what the solution is to that. I mean, like I, I think everyone should obviously have the choice to do what they want, but I, the one thing that is, true about capitalism to a large extent and markets is that like they will push in the direction that most people want because that's what most people are doing you know and you could argue that mm-hmm. people are kind of getting sucked into that way of thinking which i the, would agree the with. law of average right know. um yeah uh, and i but... mean
0: i'm i'm kind of uh creating a very radical point of view mm-hmm. but i i, I I like, I think it's fine to design for what most people want to do. Um, I just, uh, really try to dig my heels in sometimes at work and sometimes, you know, personally and stuff like podcasts Mm -hmm. and, uh, just try to advocate for at least the option to do whatever you want. Uh, that freedom, that freedom of choice, I guess is the most precious and, um, and yeah, I mean, I guess you could live off the grid if you really wanted to, but like you said, it's getting harder and harder. Um, I'm not saying that we needed to, to design or restructure society so it makes it easier for all those people to do that. But um, I just, uh, for, for each technological decision we make, I hope that people can be thoughtful enough to say, okay, let's, um, let's move forward without sacrificing X. Mm -hmm. um and as long as we can do that that's great but if it's you know let's move forward on the assumption that everyone wants to go down this path um then that can be misguided and maybe we'll regret it in a decade
1: yeah i know for sure and i i don't know if they've tried this i'm I'm probably just remembering like a silicon valley episode but like Mm -hmm. haven't they tried to do some kind of like group ethics thing in silicon valley for like not in the show but in the real silicon valley for like like all signing on to like a kind of code of conduct Um, or maybe they haven't tried that, but it seems like something that would be useful. Like, a
0: some companies, you know, some companies have, uh, yeah, company values that they adhere to Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But also I think a lot of it is lip service, you know, um, like Google, you know, their basic rule is, you know, something like do no evil or create Mm -hmm. no evil or whatever. Um, but then, you know, they did those things with like the defense contractors and stuff. Um, Facebook, you know, they always talk about how they're connecting the world, but there's definitely some other stuff that's happening. Right. In, you know, while that's you're
1: driving connecting. the world apart. <laughs> yeah. 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 Ooh, it's so. hard to find balance. I'm sure, I'm <laughs> sure also as people who run those countries, like I, I'm one of these people who like, I will point out bad things, but I also recognize that like, there are humans running all these companies and humans mm-hmm. are like fallible. And like, I, I, with that whole like google thing like yeah or with mark zuckerberg and facebook to be honest like i i don't necessarily believe that their intentions initially are like or at their core are like i do want to connect people like that's amazing i can do that especially now that they have all the money it's like well i don't need to make more money like i do actually want it to be a good thing and and do good (laughs) for the world because like I don't need any more well, cash. Well,
0: they do need to make more money for their shareholders. <laughs> that's true. Or he that's loses true. his job, basically. Right.
1: So that's what I'm talking about. That's, like, the the part that, like, counteracts that. Like, so I, I don't believe necessarily he's a bad, like, person. It would and be different with, if it was
0: privately owned. Yeah.
1: Yeah, right. Um, but I think there's just other mitigating factors and that there's probably a lot of, like, balancing going on and, like, trying to figure out, well, how can we please shareholders but also do this thing, um, like, ethically and... I I don't necessarily believe that there's just like a big evil plot behind it all. You know, like, yeah, it's a lot of compromises Uh, being made all the time.
0: And it's a lot of tiny decisions that can add up to something. And it's, it's more like the, the general that, you know, if you had like a scatter plot, it's the the general arrow and each decision is just a little plot on that. But, you know, you might have a general arrow that's kind of pointing to like evil or something, you know, (laughs) or good. Um, but it's not necessarily that like the CEO, has mapped out that master plan and he just wants to be exactly. evil. It could just be day to day. Oh, this little decision is going to get, you know, a gajillion more users. Oh, this decision is going to get people to open the app, you know, an extra time each day. And all of those add up to something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of, uh, that was something I was going to say about, like, I, I realized that I am this kind of walking contradiction that, um, you, In its purest form, you cannot have human-centered design as a job. And I'm a professional designer who's, you know, getting paid by Amazon and all this stuff. Uh, And I like my job. I would like to keep my job. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But uh, it's like, you know, at the end of the day, these decisions ultimately roll up to doing what's best for the air quote customer not human. So yeah. there are times when you do have to say, okay, in a in, in in a in a bubble, in a vacuum, the best decision might be to point out how expensive something is and that would reduce our number of customers. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're doing what's best for people. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe there needs to be, or I'm sure there is, some sort of like non profit arm of design that some sort of, you know, some sort of entity that is out there solving problems for humans, but not with profit as the center.
1: Well, there definitely are. I mean, well on a macro level, I mean, I know of one in Chicago that's like an architecture and design firm that is nonprofit and it's, it's goal Mm -hmm. is, um, to like it's a, its goal is making the world better as opposed to like making companies more profitable yeah. so and it doesn 't pre have any you know pretension about that it 's like when it when you goes to work with a company it 's because that company wants to become more eco friendly or wants to be better with human centered design so they 're not operating under the model of like this has to be customer focused they 're operating under the model of like what will actually be better for people right and the you know it 's hit or miss whether the company will take them up on the offer. But I think that one thing that's maybe underestimated by companies and maybe for good reason, because everyone has such a short attention span. But is that long term like feel that a company has and like how it will retain customers over a long period of time because mm. people trust it
0: like Apple, so,
1: like me trusting Apple, because yeah,
0: overall, it seems to have this attitude of, you know, and different things they've done in the past of like valuing my privacy. So, you know, mm-hmm. when new phones come out and stuff like that that's part of my decision
1: to stay right and so their value proposition speaks to you pretty well because the privacy is so important but for me it's like i have this other problem like i'm not as concerned about privacy but i it pisses me off that like they use all the separate like attachments and things and so that to me seems like a money grab and so that's gonna negatively influence my opinion of apple right yeah Whereas, like, Google, by contrast, for because like, I don't mind about privacy, their value proposition is, well, we're going to make it free or we're not going to, like, hide costs. Like, they're one of the most upfront companies, I think, about, like, this is going to cost you this much a month if you want to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, so you can take it or leave it. But there's no, like, fine print about it. It's, like, it's kind of, like, what you see is what you get, I feel like. And if yeah. you're willing to make the trade, then you do it. Um, we're transparent. So that speaks to my value proposition because, like like I have no illusions that like they're using all my data um and but I like that they don't try to like sneak in like oh well you can use it free for a month and then we're going to start charging you but like we were not going to tell you that we're just going to say it's a free trial and yeah. then like it'll automatically start charging they're always like super upfront about that stuff and like even like they did this ridiculous giveaway where they gave away Google Homes mm-hmm. like you all you had that. to do all you had to do was like yeah right I did that too. I did, although I didn't keep it I I gave it away as a uh a present uh, like a christmas present um but i even when i was doing that i was like there must be a catch here and then i looked at it and it was all very straightforward like it's like there basically there is no catch here you just get it for free and then sure enough i put my email address in or my address in and i got it for free there was no surprise like yep. okay well like you know it's, it's ready for delivery but if you want it you have to sign up for this was like there's none of uh-huh. that bullshit it just happened and i was like that increased significantly my opinion of the company because i was like they they're not trying to mislead you in any way they're just like this is and i know why they're giving them out i'm not stupid like they're Mm -hmm. gonna collect voice data data. right yeah um i guess maybe i'm overestimating that some people might not realize that but like yeah you know whatever
0: I guess two um, potential criticisms of of both (laughs) sides, and and then maybe we should wrap up. Yeah. Um, On on my side with the privacy concerns and all of that, I feel like I am uh, able to exercise a certain amount of privilege to keep my privacy. I wonder if um you know if this is just a current moment of you know like you, you just described this as like google is the you know tracking you for free and apple is the expensive but private is i wonder if that's how it's always going to be or if it'll get worse or better but at least as it is right now um it seems more like privacy is accessible to the privileged to the people who can afford it and to the people who don't mind you know paying, you know, an extra 30 bucks or whatever for their power cables and stuff. Um, so there's that kind of criticism of like, you know, privacy apparently is expensive and should it be? And then on the other hand, um, I think with the Google, you said, you know, you're pretty, um, I guess aware of what you're getting into and you you kind of weigh the trade-offs like, you know, okay, yeah, it's free. Uh, they're, but they're going to track my data. I don't really, care about that but you know even just that line of saying like oh they're going to track my data i wonder if that is more of your education or your your tech fluency mm-hmm. um it you know if there's millions of people out there especially in some of these um other countries with very low literacy rates um i I'm trying to say this without discriminating anybody but sure. a, a particularly interesting stat i heard was with whatsapp um in uh parts of india uh voice when whatsapp came out uh, you can do those voice messages it Mm -hmm. blew up in this particular region and it turns out that there's very very low literacy so people might have had these phones but they couldn't text just because they don't know how to write or read Mm -hmm. um nothing against them personally that's just their cultural circumstance of i guess how they set up education but um yeah, it was interesting to see how you know now they're using whatsapp a lot more so anyway just taking that as like an example um are those populations also aware of oh i get this free phone free app or whatever uh free google home and um i'm also you know consenting to give away my usage data um they yeah not be aware of that
1: that's i mean that's totally fair and like i said i come from a point of like privilege i guess from a intellectual standpoint and and from an economic standpoint and so that's why my opinion is the way it is i'm sure um i guess my my last rebuttal i know we gotta wrap up is just that like at least so far um and maybe i'm naive google hasn't um what's the right word hasn't like betrayed my confidence in their using of my data meaning that Mm -hmm. like I understand they're gonna use it for advertising and I obviously I see I get targeted ads, but at no point do I think that there's a person on the other end listening to that, making that decision. It's just a computer hearing it and regurgitating. And the yep. same is true with maps. It's like a computer is picking up all the location data and is directing traffic in different ways or like just letting you know what traffic is like. And to me that's all like incredibly valuable usage of like big data right mm-hmm. um and so far and like again like i could be naive like i haven't heard of too many instances of where it's like well google invaded privacy and like turned over your data to some bill collector and then they came and got you or like i mean there's like that kind of stuff isn't happening things that are like really like where your privacy is like so important or like google was harvesting video off of hangouts and like posted it on pornhub you know uh-huh. <laughs> like yeah. you know, like it nothing like that like seems it does i mean it would be a terrible business decision for google to do that anyway because they rely so much on the big data but it seems like they're not really so interested in any one person's data for any reason except for to make they 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 were interested in data with a capital yeah. d and, and i
0: i defend alexa in the same way yeah. all, all the people who are like oh my gosh aren't you worried about these voice devices and i say that yeah I mean, it's first of all, it's not listening to everything you say. It's listening to the name. But then Mm -hmm. even the questions that you ask, it's not like people are listening to your voice on some hard drive somewhere. It exists and then it's transcribed into text and then that's transcribed into bits and you know, all that stuff is uh, digested in order to better target you. Sure. But there's no one, like you said, on the other end, just like reading. Here's, you know, what Alex talks about in his living room. (laughs)
1: <laughs> right right, and i mean theoretically the technology could be used in that way like I'm, right. I'm sure that amazon or google could use their in-home devices and if they wanted to listen in on a specific home at a specific time and hear what they were saying and
0: i feel like the in this well, <laughs> this, is, this is this same hypothetical would be true of like the cia or whatever the nsa uh-huh. of like um yeah they could technically do that but they would have to like personally like someone at google probably has to know you and maybe they're like you know um a scorned ex-lover or something <laughs> and so they somehow target you but like i don't think that they would be doing that to the general population
1: right. and <laughs> and so far i haven't there haven't been a lot of stories of things like that happening yeah so i mean i'm sure maybe I mean, i'm not sure maybe they are putting safeguards in place so things like that can't happen because they're right. bound to be an employee at some point who's like i've got to listen in on blah 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 but then when that came out it would be a big you know big deal like really bad for google so i'm sure they have a vested interest on restricting the ability for people to yeah. access that kind of
0: right data. yeah i don't know how, how um, google works but at amazon like i i have i'm not even close to having access of uh what people say to their alexa devices um yeah you you have to work on that team and even if you work on that team you have to be like a particular job position mm-hmm. and even in that position, I think you have to like request access and like you get access to like this for this amount of time or something. Uh, so you can not like, like
1: troubleshoot or it's do not like anything,
0: any Amazon yeah. employee can just like open up the computer and like, Oh, let me go to the database and just hit play <laughs> and you know. Yeah. It's it's not even there.
1: Yeah. Now you have to recognize that at some point
0: There's probably like ten people at any given time that could possibly access it.
1: Sure. And you actually have to you have to consider that at some point that technology could be used in that way and not in your interest. And um, of course, like that's something you have to like grapple with and decide if you mm-hmm. think that's okay. But I think you're going to be in a really tough spot trying to get through the world without experiencing any touch point like that. Yeah. You know, like, especially it that means like getting rid of your phone because your phone at any time I promise can be accessed yeah. okay. by NSA um, to hear what you're saying. I so about
0: that all the time.
1: <laughs> um, and there's not a lot you can do about that except to not have a phone. Yeah. Um, to use a burner phone so that they don't know who it belongs to. Like, I mean, the there's iPhone, just like, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, it's just, it's kind of the world we live in now a little bit. It's like, if you're deathly mm-hmm. afraid of cars, I mean, even, you even see like, uh, like Mennonites and Amish people eventually have to get in a car because they have to go to a hospital or something, or they have to go somewhere. Yeah. And then, so like, they just, even though that's part of like what they believe in, like totally respect that, like they're, it's really, really difficult once the world moves on to other things to not engage. So anyway, uh, I'm, I'm sure that we could go on and on and on about this, but yeah, this is getting kind of long. So it's a good topic, (laughs) but yeah. Anyway, well are you comfortable with um I mean I don't know how you even can get in contact with your listeners, but I guess we could just say on here, like if anyone has something they want to hear, especially art focused, like art especially art in media. Mm-hmm. Um we would love to talk about that stuff. I like, can just Yeah shoot the shit about it. So it'd be nice to be prompted with something if anyone yeah, is listening cool. and wants to pop something uh to your email, Rob. Yeah, I don't
0: I don't think I've um overtly asked for it but i i I try to include it in the like the show notes and whatnot of how people can reach out to us on twitter i also have this open telegram group so if you you know want to get telegram it's free and then you can just use the link on our website and it'll take you straight to that group so it's like a chat room where you can just kind of pop in and out Mm -hmm. and ask stuff um i never went through the trouble of setting up an email for the podcast um So I didn't do that part. But um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, The podcast I did like 10 years ago in college, we had people call in. We set up this thing on this website where people could call in. People wrote us some emails once in a while. And that was really cool. Uh, But so far with this one, maybe it's just we don't have that many people listening. Um, No one uh, particularly brings up any topic or even says hi but yeah it'd be great to (laughs) to hear from people say hello or if you have a certain idea um uh yeah send it to us on twitter at sorry topic um or telegram um i don't know if if email is really the only way then i could set that up but people would have to let me know somehow (laughs) (laughs) yeah to to get an email
1: maybe if we get a few uh something coming in on twitter or instagram or whatever um then uh we could set up an email or something if yeah. we thought people were actually gonna yeah. send in stuff but that's I a big set up
0: an instagram i could do that
1: <laughs> oh yeah yeah then then the like 15 people that listen to the show could also follow on instagram <laughs> <laughs> exactly anyway yeah
0: All right. Well, this is, this is great. Sometimes I feel like I don't, you know, we just talked to you the other day. I don't know what we're going to talk about and then we end up going on for a long time. So that's good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Podcasting is pretty nice. It it leads to good conversation, a lot of active listening. I think that's what makes podcast format good for conversation.
0: Yeah. It kind of spurs you to, to get topical and to step beyond just the two people talking, Mm -hmm. um, You know, when something is not recording, then just like, hey, how's it going?
1: What's up? (laughs) Exactly. There's no impetus to talk about something substantive.
0: Well, uh, you should play more of that, that game. I want to hear more about it. Maybe that could be a podcast topic. We kind of <laughs> started talking about it and then got way off onto some deeper shit.
1: <laughs> yeah. The funny thing is I haven't even played it because my Xbox is broken. So I've, I've only been like watching these videos so that when I do get it and get my Xbox, I can be like, all right, jumping straight in, yeah. uh, which is so nerdy. I'm, I feel like such a nerd, but it's <laughs> fine. I'm loving it. I mean,
0: I, nerdy is just someone who knows what they like. that's true and and they go all in yeah yeah all right well good talking to you uh we'll catch up again next week
1: all right sounds good all right see you rob see ya